So the track says You need to practice The zone of GBM Neutron The track is called Practice Greetings and salutations one and all How you doing? I was just checking something here and, and this thing here. I'm pretty sure that makes a whole lot of sense. Checking this thing, checking something here and this thing here. Wanna say big up to each and everyone locked in right now. Those on TuneIn Radio, on the night shift to DJ Kevin Stew, much love to you. Those locked in out of New Jersey, NIE Radio, the motivator and crew, much love. Yeah man, go and practice, Ben over, do that, yeah, same way. Big up to those on the Foundation Radio Network, ClintonLindsay.com. Those on PEMGTV.com Much love to you I want to say welcome to the Zeno FM listeners Welcome, welcome, welcome Yeah, the night shift to DJ Kevin Stew on Zeno FM I love it It's called growth Big up to those on CR7 Much love to ya Track is called Practice. Hey, uh, what have you been doing to practice? Want to say thank you to my segment sponsor, Paul C Media Group. When being in the moment is priceless, give them a call. They take care of your videos, your photos, your streaming, your ads, and more. Everything you see here on KevinStew.com, they can handle that. Because they host KevinStew.com. They provide me with streaming services. So if you have an event that you want to stream live, you can give them a call. Whether it be a church service, a funeral, a wedding, a party, a graduation, a seminar, you name it. They can take care of what you need. Call them up at 754-999-1140. That's 754-999-1140. Or visit them online at pulseemg.com. Just tell them DJ Kevin Stew sent you. Invite you to call a friend, tell a friend Friends of your friends, friends of your enemies, enemies of your friends And your enemies too because we're not leaving anybody out Once they big up to those who are locked in on Facebook Live 
Much love to all of you. So glad to have you. Couldn't do it without you, and you have my word. I wouldn't even try. Yeah, man, I like the bones on this tune here. So, we all have our little thing that we like, don't we? Uh, some like to sit there like a bend over and moving thing, you know? Some like to see the graceful uh, po- poise and positioning. Everybody has their own little thing. And sometimes one of those things might be considered a little bit odd. Uh, tonight we're talking about paraphilias. Do you know what those are? I do invite y'all to participate as I usually do. Jump into the stew pot on kevinstew.com For those of you wondering what the stew pot is, it's what others call a chat room because of fancy over here on kevinstew.com We call it the stew pot. It's where we keep things interactive and bubbling. It's a judgment-free zone. All you do is go to kevinstew.com Those of you who are on Facebook Live, just click on the link that is pinned in the comment section. Come on over, jump into the stew pot. You don't need to sign up, register, nothing like that. Just go to the website and you're there. Remember, kevinstew.com is where you're encouraged to have acceptance through enlightenment. You can remain anonymous. You can change your name so that everybody know who it is that we're interacting with. Uh, no need to worry about anything. Your all opinions are welcome. But as that you keep it respectful. So, paraphilias. First things first. According to lumenlearning.com, many terms have been used to describe atypical sexual interests. And there remains debate regarding technical accuracy and perceptions of stigma. Sexologist John Money popularized the term paraphilia as a non-pejorative designation for unusual sexual interests. Unusual. Hmm. I want to... What are the things that fall under that unusual umbrella? Money described paraphilia as 
a sexual erotic embellishment of or alternative to the official ideological norm. Basically, that thing that 50.1% is okay with. Now, despite efforts by money, the term paraphilia remains pejorative in most circumstances. A paraphilia is the experience of intense sexual arousal under non-normative conditions. The DSM-5 diagnosis of paraphilic disorder represents a change from how paraphilia was treated in the past. In prior editions, diagnosis was based on the occurrence of non-normative feelings and actions. The DSM-5 criteria require that, in addition, the feelings and behavior must cause distress or harm to oneself or others. The eight listed disorders include exhibitionistic disorder, that is, exposing oneself to strangers, fetishistic disorder, sexual arousal to unusual objects such as shoes, uh, fraturistic disorder, which is the rubbing oneself against another individual without their consent. Now, anybody that grew up in Jamaica that used to take bus, I'm pretty sure at one point or another experienced some form of this. Whether you were the one that did it or it was done to you. There's pedophilic disorder, which is sexual attraction to children. There's sexual masochism disorder, which is sexual behavior resulting in bodily harm to oneself. There's sexual sadism disorder, sexual behavior resulting in bodily harm to another non-consenting individual. Uh, transvestic disorder, that is the sexual arousal resulting from dressing in the clothes of the opposite sex. And voyeuristic disorder, spying on individuals engaged in private activities. The word the, the World Federation of Societies of Biological Psychiatry published guidelines for the biological treatment of paraphilia. The goals of treatment included control of paraphilic fantasies, urges, behaviors, and distress. Cognitive behavioral therapy was recommended along with six stages of pharmacology pharmacologic treatment based upon the intensity of the individual's fantasies. The, the level of success attained with a less powerful drug and the risk of potential harm. It's ha it has been found that the combination of learning-based procedures of drugs was more effective than either alone. So the combination apparently works quite well. In extreme circumstances, it is recommended that drugs or surgery. Now, 
how the surgery part work. Eh, I'm not too sure. But drugs or surgery that totally suppresses sexual urges be considered. Alright. So that that's a scientific definition if if you've ever had one that kind of covers it now we're gonna get a little bit deeper into this according to lumenlearning.com and so we're gonna look at the paraphilic disorders of the DSM-5 right so you might want to to grab pen and paper or you can very well and just listen to what is happening <laughs> chime in here and there of course you can call in 773-789-STEW is the number to get in touch 773-789-7839 you can call text whatsapp telegram any of those work you can you can even skype me if you want my skype handle is kevin.stew so uh, link up um you can email me of course kevinstew.com has all the contact information so go to kevinstew.com you can watch me live because the facebook live stream will not be on for the duration of the broadcast it's just a segment so again don't get too comfortable but do share do go ahead and share now did I give you the number? 773-789-STEW. That's the telephone number. 773-789-7839. One more time. 773-789-7839. Now, a class of sexual disorders relates to sexual practices and interests. In some cases, sexual interest is so unusual that it is known as a paraphilia. A sexual deviation where sexual arousal is obtained from a, con- from a consistent pattern of inappropriate responses to objects or people, and in which the behaviors associated with the feelings are distressing and dysfunctional. Paraphilias may sometimes be only fantasies, and in other, case, other cases may result in actual sexual behavior. The essential feature of a paraphilic disorder then is that people with one of these disorders are so psychologically dependent on the target of their desire that they are unable to experience sexual arousal unless this target is present in some form. Now, there we, we, we briefly mentioned the disorders that fall under the classification right the transvestic exhibitionistic fetuistic fraturistic two different things um sexual masochism pedophilic disorder sexual sadism and voyeuristic now i can tell you this my looking into these came as a result of having a discussion with someone about um hey cuz how you doing a girl that was molested in a in a library study room 
this happened um some a few days ago if it wasn't a couple of weeks ago it was a few days ago now i didn't hear oops sorry i didn't hear of this happening in the news i was just talking with a friend of mine and and mentioning that i was gonna tutor a little boy in with reading in reading and somehow i guess that just triggered a memory and we had the discussion and so i i said you know let's let's look into this a little bit and initially it was just going to be looking into pedophilia but then that was just only a piece of the pie so i figured why not look at the whole pie and see what we can learn and that is how we end up tonight talking about paraphilias now something to note people with paraphilias are usually rejected by society but for two different reasons in some cases such as voyeurism and pedophilia the behavior is unacceptable so much so that it is considered illegal because it involves a lack of consent on the part of the recipient of the sexual advance but other paraphilias are rejected simply because they are unusual even though they are consensual and do not cause distress or dysfunction to the partners now sexual sadism and sexual masochism for instance are usually practiced consensually and thus may not be harmful to the partners or to society a recent survey relatively recent found that individuals who engage in sadism and masochism are as psychologically healthy as those who do not and this was a, sur a survey that um was done by connolly back in 2006 fairly recent again as cultural norms about the appropriateness of behaviors change the revision of the dsm back in 2013 changed its classification system of these behaviors now there is an an estimated 20 percent of american children that have been sexually molested making pedophilia a common paraphilia offenders are usually family friends or relatives types of activities vary and may include just looking at a child or undressing and touching a child however acts of acts often involve oral sex or touching of genitalia or the child of, of the child of the offender of the child or sorry or the offender now studies suggest that children who feel uncared for or lonely may be at higher risk for sexual abuse the key feature of this disorder is that the individual experiences sexual arousal when with children that may be equal to if not greater than that which he or she experiences with individuals who are physically mature and 
I'm glad that in this particular text, they mention he or she. Because when we hear of, or we, we think of pedophiles, immediately our mind goes to men molesting children. Very seldom do we consider the women who do the same things. Recurring sexual dreams, behaviors, or urges concerning children that are 13 years old or younger, these urges may be directed toward children of the same sex of the pedophiles or the other sex. doesn't really matter. Some pedophiles are attracted to both boys and girls. Some are attracted to only children, while others are attracted to children as well as adults. Now, these issues must be persistent for at least six months and must cause impairment to everyday functioning to be considered symptoms. If an individual is 16 years old and exhibits these behaviors with someone that's at least five years younger, he would be considered, it's interesting that they use he, they would be considered for this disorder, he or she. Now, to be diagnosed as having pedophilia, the individual must be at least 16 years of age. The disorder typically begins in adolescence, although some individuals with pedophilia report that they did not become sexually aroused by children until middle adulthood. What point do you become? Are you saying those in the 40, 50-year-old age range? Is that what is considered middle, middle adulthood? Pedophiles may limit their activity to exposing themselves to children, sometimes known as flashing, touching and folding and, and, and fondling the, ch- the child gently, undressing the child and looking at them, or masturbating in front of that child. Now, the word pedophilia is derived from Greek words pidos, meaning child, and philia, meaning love. Until recently, pedophilic individuals had found it relatively easy to gain access to unattended children. Awareness of pedophilia has been raised in the past two decades, and it it has become more difficult for these individuals to find children with whom to act out their fantasies. In response to the scarcity of vulnerable children, many pedophilias, sorry, many pedophiles have turned to chat rooms and child pornography. Now, males are often diagnosed with this disorder more than women. Doesn't necessarily mean that more men are pedophiles than women more males are diagnosed. Pedophilia is more prevalent among Caucasians than among other ethnicities. Well, that too is another interesting statistic. It is also known that if male, if a male prefers males, it is more likely that he will repeat his pedophilic actions. Now, this has led certain relig- religious or otherwise radical activists, to suggest that pedophilia and homosexuality are one and the same, resulting in in further media attention 
to an already well-covered topic. And we, in, in looking at that generalization, we tend to look towards those of the cloth that partake in such activities. I won't say of which religion. I'm pretty sure most know and are familiar. So let me not call out any particular groups. Now, one of the biggest issues in, ass in assessing behavior as pedophilic or normal is the criteria of pedophilia. By Western standards, certain cultures, for example, Islamic cultures, would have higher prevalence of ped pedophilia. Some cultures allow child weddings or unions between mature males and pubescent um, pubescent females. In some tribal societies in Africa, pedophilic behavior is considered perfectly normal. Men often take boy wives in addition to wives. The men engage in sexual activity with these boy wives until it is deemed time for the young boy to choose a wife of his own. At this point, the boy's husband quote-unquote, husband, will then aid him in choosing a wife. And the boy will be allowed to leave to start a family of his own. Now, clearly, it is important to note any religious or cultural backgrounds in individuals being examined as having pedophilia. This is a very difficult situation as some groups have voiced the concern that any pedophile can simply convert to a belief system that accommodates and excuses their behavior. Well, I, I guess they would be onto something saying that, but wouldn't anyone be able to join a group that can um, excuse their behaviors? Typically, right? Because now there is a group for everyone. Now, there is very little that is known about the prevalence of pedophilia. Because due to the severely negative stigma associated with having pedophilia, many people with the condition rarely seek help from a mental health professional. The ratio of sex of offenders often fem against female children and sex offenders against male children is about 2 to 1. According to data in a 1987-1988 study, sexual offenders against males have many more victims than those against females. Sexual offenses against female children have a rate of 19.8, while sexual offenses against male children have a rate of 150.2 crazy. Since there is a higher rate of sexual offenders against male children, this may suggest that this group has a higher number of true pedophiles. Not all sex offenders who victimize children are pedophiles. Just a note to point out. Only about 40% of convicted sex offenders meet the diagnostic criteria for the disorder. Now, the large commercial market in pedophiliac pornography 
suggest a more a much higher prevalence than the limited medical data indicates so that's <laughs> just a little bit of information as it relates to pedophilia as one of the paraphilias that we're looking at tonight blessings eric how you doing now there is the exhibitionist and that's what we're gonna look at next and we're going to touch on this when we come back from the break. But really quickly, the term exhibitionist was first used in 1877 by French physician and psychiatrist, psychiatrist um, Charles Lasegue. And various earlier medical forensic texts discuss genital self-exhibition. Just a little bit of history to the, the, the condition known as exhibitionism. Now, this is the act of exposing in a public or semi-public context those parts of one bot, one's body that are not normally exposed. For example, the breasts or genitals or buttocks. The practice may arise from a desire of or, or compulsion to expose oneself in such a manner to groups of friends or acquaintances or to strangers for their amusement or sexual satisfaction or to shock the bystander. Exposing oneself only to an intimate partner is normally not reg regarded as exhibitionism. In law, the act of exhibitionism may be called indecent exposure, exposing one's person or other expressions. When we come back, we're going to dive a little bit more into exhibitionism. But what do you know about the exhibitionist? Do you know anyone who would be considered an exhibitionist? Well, I want to hear from you. Have you ever had the experience where you have encountered someone who considers themselves so? Or even if they don't consider themselves to be so, that's their action. You, you see them doing this more often than not. And in today's society, do you think that people have become accepting of the exhibitionist? Considering how people dress you know, have more people become more exhibitionistic? Or is it that because we have been exposed to the human body so often that it becomes a norm now? Let me hear from you. I want to get your feedback on this one. 773-789-7839. Call me, text me, WhatsApp me, Telegram me. Just link up with me or jump into the stew pot and interact with me. Those on Facebook Live, this is where we're going to part company because it's all on the night on kevinstew.com from this point on. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some more. Facebook Live, this is where we part company until our next night shift. Bro well, actually, until the Saturday stew on Saturday at 8 p.m. on Reggae Global Radio. Yeah, so Facebook Live, y'all yeah, take care. Come on over, kevinstew.com. We'll be right back.
Pulsey Media Group, innovative streaming and recording has done it again. A new way to get your business in full view of your neighborhood consumer through AdShare TV. It's available in your neighborhood today. It's easy. Just call us. 754-999-6020. Become a host today and place a TV monitor in a strategic location so it's easy to see. Get a one-minute video ad or longer that plays anywhere in our network. Can't be a host? No problem. For a few dollars, we'll run your 30-second video ad. A host can run announcement specials like buy one get one free or discount ads. Let's turn your flyers into a 30-second video with music or a voiceover or let us create and run your video ad with a spokesperson. Take advantage of our early enrollment discount. Join us today. Your ad will be seen at least 30 times per day in your AdShare TV neighborhood. It's easy. Just call us. 754-999-6020. AdShare TV, part of Pulsing Media Group. Imagine having our own Caribbean center. Imagine a museum highlighting our history and the contributions of Caribbean people to the world. Imagine being able to visit and learn about the islands we call home in a place where our kids can see and feel their cultural heritage. You can make this vision come to life. Help us create this first of its kind space that all Caribbean people can be proud of. Your contribution to Island Space Caribbean Museum will help this dream come true. Visit islandspacefl.org slash GoFundMe. Visit islandspacefl.org slash GoFundMe. Visit islandspacefl.org slash GoFundMe and donate today. Reggae Global Entertainment presents the brand new self-titled album from Yishka with nine great songs. Oh, baby, let me love you. Be grateful for life. Shake you down. What else can I do? Babe, come over. My, my, my. It's our time. For your love. I'm falling. Yishka, nine great songs, available on all streaming platforms. Available now. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics... I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trash. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... 
is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Matthew 28:19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. With this in mind, and encouragement received during a South Florida media conference, The Church Links was birthed. The Church Links is an interdenominational worship service portal for churches, providing the tools to spread the word through technology in a cost-effective way. The Church Links www.dahchurchlinx.com Your links to worship and praise. Hey, I'm representing for DJ Kevin's Jew working on the night shift the night shift radio show. Won't go changing like the weather Just to please the devil never Will DJ Kevin's choose sell his soul That's a word and honor It's Christine to represent him Word and honor Celestia DJ Kevin's true. Are you ever gonna change? Right in the moment when your head is confused Guess what? Right there with you in the madness. The sound of Royce, and that's the title of the track right there, Madness. I want to welcome you back to the Night Shift of DJ Kevin Stew, Real Talk Night. And before we get back into anything, I do want to make sure to mention Rhythms of the Heart, the Christmas edition. It takes place Saturday, December 18th at Valencia's in Margate, Florida, 5801 Margate Boulevard in Margate. Doors open at 8 p.m. Tickets available pre-sold, $10. More at the door. You can get your tickets on Eventbrite or you can link me, DJ Kevin Stew, for tickets. 773-789-STEW, 773-789-7839. I want to take this opportunity to say thank you to Althea and her healing heavenly hands. Althea is a licensed Althea SU is a licensed massage therapist that operates out of Broad County, North Miami, and South Palm Beach counties. She comes to you bringing her table, her oils, and over 20 years massage therapy, ther- therapy experience. Althea, I'm overdue for a massage. You hear me getting tongue-tied? That's a tense tongue. I don't know how you're going to massage my tongue, though. I don't know if that fall under the umbrella of any of these paraphilias. Anyway, I digress. Give Althea a call, 954-655-9000, to set up your appointment today. Or you can also email her at theolata at att.net. That's T-H-E-A-L-A-T-E-R at att.net. Give her a call, set up your appointment. She only has one request outside of paying her. That you get off her table and go sleep somewhere else when she's done. Oh, 
Now, for those who think that what we're talking about tonight is just craziness, it's madness, it's so out there. You know, one of these things you may do occasionally, does that make mean that you fall under the umbrella of one of these paraphilias? Think of that moment where you just feel like walking topless. Well, I guess men do it all the time, and it's okay. Think of the guys that you see walking around in chaps, you know, and they're they're wearing bikini underwear. Some of them call that madness, right? The ladies that only wear a pasty. They consider that madness too, right? Yeah, they do. Thank you, Royce. A track called Madness. Now, when exhibitionistic sexual interest is acted on with a non-consenting person or interferes with a person's quality of life or normal functioning, it can be diagnosed as exhibitionistic disorder in the DSM-5. Now, the DSM states that the highest possible prevalence of exhibitionistic disorder in men is 2% to 4%. It is thought to be much less common in women. According to the DSM-5 diagnostic criteria for exhibitionistic disorder, it must A, occur over a period of at least six months recurrent and intense sexual arousal from the exposure of one's genitals to an unexpecting person as manifested by fantasies, urges, or behaviors. And B, the individual has acted on these sexual urges with with a non-consenting person, or the sexual urges or fantasies cause clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. Now, it also says you need to specify whether sexually aroused by exposing genitals to uh, pre... Huh. Why is my phone talking to me? Um, Sexually aroused by exposing genitals to pre-pubertal children sexually aroused by exposing genitals to physically mature individuals sexually aroused by exposing genitals to pre-pubertal children and to physically mature individuals and specify if in a controlled environment the specifier is primarily applicable to individuals having living in institutional or other settings where opportunities to expose one's genitals are restricted in, in, in full remission, um, the individual has not acted on the urges with a non-consenting person and there has been no distress or impair, impairment in social, occupational or other areas of functioning for at least five years while in un, an uncontrolled environment. So, yeah, a little, some little caveats to the definition. Now, exhibitionists, in some cases, masturbate while exposing themselves 
or while fantasizing that he or she is exposing themselves to another person. There's a pattern in which males exhibit themselves and there are three characteristic features of the exhibition. One, it is performed for unknown women. Two, it takes place where sexual intercourse is impossible. For example, a crowded shopping center. Well, to say that the act of intercourse is impossible there, uh, I don't know. Some people have been known to be quite adventurous. And three, it seems designed to surprise and shock the woman. The male exhibitionist usually exposes his erect penis, but is not necessarily essential for the activity. Ejaculation may occur at the moment of exposure or develop later with masturbatory stimulation. Some exhibitionists are aware of the conscious desire to shock or upset their target, while others fantasize that the target will become aroused by their display. Now, I guess it becomes more of a problem when the man exposes himself than when a woman does it because in society, in I, I, I really believe that we are more accepting of a woman exposing themselves and it becoming, and, and it, it is a more, I guess, more acceptable fetish because a woman exposing himself, most people would either just say, um, let's try to cover up or, oh, wow, look at that. When a man does it, now it becomes, that's so disgusting, call the cops, let's, is, can we Baker act him, that person needs to be locked up, or things along that line. So it's, it's really interesting. And it's just because of how we're socialized. Um, generally, Society accepts exhibitionism in children as a natural curiosity, not a disorder. However, if the behaviors continue, uh, paraphilia is probable. Disorder appears to develop before the age of 18 and rarely is found in people over the age of 50. I guess that when you get over 50, you can't be bothered anymore, I guess, or you're just considered as one that has no filter, so you don't care. I don't know why it is that it is rarely found in people over 50. I know some people, a lot of people actually, over the age of 50 that have no problem just letting it all hang out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I guess people say when you get past a certain age, you have no filter. So <laughs> there goes that. Now, most reported cases of exhibitionism involve males. Some scientists argue that women who undress in front of windows as to invite a person to watch or who wear low-cut gowns are exhibitionists in a sense. Exhibitionism generally appears in Western society and is believed to be almost absent in such countries as Japan, Burma, and India. Additionally, in the American society, it can be a crime when committed by a male, but when a woman exposes themselves, 
excluding total nudity. They are often seen as victims of male voyeurism. See how that works? This is just what I was talking about. <laughs> you know, it's... Our society tends to look at the same thing by both genders in completely different ways. Now, prevalence and incidence are not easily defined because people with this disorder usually do not seek treatment voluntarily. Exhibitionism is one of the one of three most common sexual offenses. Um, it is one of the three most common sexual offenses. The other two being voyeurism and pedophilia. And we looked at pedophilia already. Now, it is rarely diagnosed in general mental health clinics, but most professionals believe that it is probably underdiagnosed and underreported. Probably because so many people do it. <laughs> you know, kind of crazy to think about what when you really sit down and think about it, give it some, some, some serious thought. What do you think? Risk factors um, appear to be antisocial history, antisocial personality disorder, alcohol misuse, and pedophilic sexual preference. Again, you have your exhibitionist, your um, pedophiles, and your voyeurs as the three most common sexual offenses. So, voyeurism. Let's look at that real quick. This is the sexual interest in or practice of spying on people engaged in intimate behaviors, such as undressing, um, sexual activity or other actions usually considered to be of a private nature. The term comes from the French voy, uh, voir, V-O-I-R, which means to see. Um, and uh, a male voyeur is commonly labeled as a peeping tom or a jags. A term which originates from the lady, from the lady Godiva legend. However, that term is usually applied to a male who observes somebody secretly and generally not in a public space. I'd, I've never heard of the term jags. Peeping tom, yes. Jags, no. So, real quickly, we can look at the diagnostic criteria as according to the DSM-5. A. Over a period of at least six months, recurrent and intense sexual arousal from observing an unsuspected person who is naked in the process of disrobing or engaging in sexual activity as manifested, manifested by fantasies, urges, and behaviors. And B. The individual has acted on these sexual urges with a non-consenting person or the sexual urges or fantasies cause clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational and or other important areas of functioning. And C. The individual experiencing the arousal and or acting on the urges is at least 18 years of age. Now, you also have to specify if in a controlled environment the specifier is primarily applicable to individuals 
living in institutional institutional or other settings where opportunities to engage in voyeuristic behavior are restricted or in full remission the individual has individual has not acted on the urges with a non-consenting person and there has been no distress or impairment in social occupational or other areas of functioning for at least five years while in an uncontrolled environment so according to the dsm-5 that those are your voyeurs now there are some associated features when it comes to your voyeur and um can i touch on that before taking the next break yeah we can let's touch on that voyeurism a form of paraphilias of refers to the achievement of sexual gratification by observing or spying on unsuspecting people especially while they dress undress or engage in sexual activity the observers often known as peeping toms may not feel guilt or remorse when intruding upon the other individuals um, privacy Voyeuristic individuals may rationalize their behavior, claiming no harm, no foul. They're just looking. Voyeurism is considered a crime in several states, but the definition of voyeurism varies from state to state. So the voyeur may wait outside their victim's window and masturbate to the subject undressing, taking a shower, or even a couple having sex. They also may wait until afterwards to masturbate while replaying the incident in their mind. The voyeur may risk injury by assuming precarious positions to watch or to catch a preferred view of their target. Like, I guess you can picture the voyeur in a tree um, perched precariously on a frail branch (laughs) just so that they can have a good view. Um, with a child versus adult presentation, a lack of maturity and understanding prevents children from being diagnosed as voyeurism. That's interesting because our children know to cover themselves, not to expose themselves, and not to look at people in private situations, but yet still as children we do it or have done it so i guess if it continues into adolescence and into adulthood i don't know where 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 are my um professionals that feature the mind my psychologists psychiatrists and and um well i guess those would pretty much be the two categories that would have anything to any input professional input on this where 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 are they my my psychologists and my sociologists also my psychiatrists where, where are they Seven seven three seven eight nine stew i'd love to hear from you guys as it relates to some of these conditions these these paraphilias um men are much more likely to be diagnosed with voyeurism than women are it seems to be the case with most of these conditions Uh, There does not seem to be any differences with cultural presentation of voyeurism. However, with the social nature of the prohibited activity, it appears to be an important factor in the sexual arousal pertaining to voyeurism. Voyeurs tend to harbor feelings of inadequacy 
and to lack social and sexual skills. Huh. Who would have thunk it? The onset of the disorder is normally before the age of 15. Some studies have shown that men express voyeuristic tendencies more often than women, but the disorder is not unique to males. The prevalence of voyeuristic disorder is 12,000 per 100,000, as in 12% among the male population and 4% among the female population. Well, I guess those are the ones that get caught, are the ones who admit to it. The prevalence rate of this abnormality is not known. Some research suggests that people in the United States are showing more voyeuristic characteristics due to the increase in reality television um, being aired. The, the shows on, on, on TV, more reality TV, more exposure, less tendencies to be considered voyeuristic. I guess, you see, this is how this desensitization works. Um, risk factors appear to be childhood sexual abuse, substance abuse, sexual uh, preoccupation, and hypersexuality. So those are your voyeurs, the ones that like to look. You have your exhibitionists, the ones that like to show. You have your voyeurs, the ones that like to look. And then you have your pedophiles. The three main are the three most common paraphilic disorders we're gonna take a break when we come back we're gonna look at the fraturistic disorder ever heard of it well we're gonna learn about it when we come back call your friends tell your friends friends of your friends friends of your enemies enemies of your friends and your enemies too it's real talk right here on Night Shift with dj kevin stew let me hear from you talk to me are you learning something new tonight <laughs> or is this just considered to be crazy all crazy because nothing, no normal person can do any of these things. But think about it. If it doesn't happen beyond a period of six months, then, <laughs> you know, that's because all of them up until this point says it has to be going on con continuously or consistently over a period of six months at minimum. So, if it happens for three and then you stop, does it matter if it happens for three months and then you stop and then you pick it up again five months later? Does that matter? It's six months over what period of time? Is it six continuous months or you can break it up? How does that work? Each time you do it, is that a new clock? I don't know. Maybe those that are in the know can, can help me understand that part of it. But for now, I'm presenting you the information. And, and it bits and pieces of it I'm learning as I go along. What about you? We'll be back after these next few messages. Call your friends. Tell your friends. Stick around. Bring somebody back. Call up somebody. Tell them, hey, Stu talking crazy again. <laughs> Come on over and listen. You might learn something. <laughs> we'll be right back. Yes, my people. Check out I Red Funks on Reggae Global Radio every Saturday at 8 p.m. with Kev Steele. 
We all give you a pre-life. Brand new. Good for you. Kick it like a ball if it was your dance hall. You hear that? It's Chris representing for DJ Kevin. You see me, I say, I don't know the boss. You see me, I say, DJ Kevin's two on a night shift radio show. Yo, it thing at the thing, turn up the thing loud. Whoa. DJ Kevin's two on the heart of a champion. Never underestimate, just chose him. The silver line and the dark clouds. DJ Kevin's two believing, and that's no doubt. Sell out the night shift radio show, Christine. This is a to talk. Loud. Kill the beast. When being in the moment is priceless, consider the ability to share that moment. If you can video it, you can broadcast it. And Pulse E-Media Group has the tools you need. Weddings, birthdays, funerals, graduations, church services, parties, seminars, you name it. Pulse E-Media Group can provide you with a secure medium controlled by you to broadcast your event. Contact us at www.pulseemediagroup.com for more information. Pulse Media Group, when being in the moment is priceless. Teddy Greaves Jr. with six brand new songs out now on his brand new EP, Teddy Greaves Jr. with songs you know and love like Can You Stop the Rain? One Last Cry Can't Get Over You Wait Too Long You and I You and I and One Last Cry, the acoustic version. Teddy Greaves Jr., now available on all major digital platforms. Teddy Greaves Jr. Making great music is one thing, sharing it with the world, that's another. Let the professionals at Reggae Global Entertainment help you to another level. Specializing in artist management, booking, public relations and marketing, and promotion. Reggae Global Entertainment can help you with event planning, websites, photography, and video production, press releases, legal services, and graphic design. They can even help you with music production so you can get the sound that you want every time. Call Reggae Global Entertainment at 954-804-8199. That's 804-8199. Or visit them online at reggaeglobalentertainment.com. Yes, yes, yes. Sakar Mantino, I'm making notes right now. You are locked in to DJ Kevin Stew on the night shift. Back to the broadcast in the background, the sound of Suzanne Sultry, the sultry one. Her rendition of crazy. I want to say thank you to my segment sponsor, 
Reggae Global Entertainment. Reggae Global will act as your booking agent, handle your tour management, take care of your copyright, your publishing, your business registration, music production, marketing and promotion, and so much more. Give him a call, 954-804-8199. That's 954-804-8199. Or check them out online, reggaeglobalentertainment.com. Thank you, Reggae Global. Remember, you can catch on Reggae Global Radio on Saturday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern for the Saturday Stew. The sound of Suzanne Sultry in the background. A rendition of Crazy. So, uh, one of the things that one of the other paraphilias that is pretty much considered kind of crazy is fraturistic disorder. Now, this is a paraphilic interest in rubbing, usually one's pelvic area or erect penis against a non-consenting person for sexual pleasure. Hmm. (laughs) Now, it may involve touching any part of the body, including the genital area. A person who practices frotturistic acts is known as a frotteur. Frottage derives from the French verb frotter, which means to rub. The term frotteur, originally meaning floor polisher, entered police jargon around 1882. Frotturistic acts were interpreted as signs of a psychological disorder in 1887 and ensuing fr- work by French psychiatrist sorry ensuing work by French psychiatrist Valentin Mon- Magnan who described three acts of frottage in an 1890 study it was popularized by German sexologist Richard von Kraft Ebbing in his book Psychopathia Sexualis, borrowing from Magnan's French terminology. Frotteristic disorder is a sexual dysfunction, uh, sexual dysfunction disorder characterized by sexual arousal from rubbing against or touching a non-consenting person. According to the DSM-5 diagnostic criteria, A, over a period of at least six months, there we go again, six months, recurrent and intense sexual arousal from touching or rubbing against a non-consenting person as manifested by fantasies, urges, or behaviors, and B, the individual has acted on these sexual urges with a non-consenting person or the sexual urges or fantasies cause clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. And of course, there's the specifics that go along with it. <clears throat> a person who is suffering from fraturism 
usually experiences symptoms such as intense sexually arousing fantasies, sexual urges, or behaviors involving touching and rubbing against a non-consenting person for over a period of at least six months. These fantasies, urges, and behaviors can cause distress and problems associated with work, social atmospheres, and other important daily activities. Torturism, this one I had never heard of, actually, is sexual arousal based on grabbing or rubbing one's hands against an unsuspecting or non-consenting person. It usually involves touching breasts, buttocks, or genitalia, or other genital areas, often quite while quickly walking across the victim's path. Some psychologists consider torturism as a manifestation of fraturism, while others distinguish the two. So, you've, I'm pretty sure... You've heard of people being referred to as touchy-feely. That that might be a a Jamaican thing or a Caribbean thing where people are touchy-feely. And I guess this is what that is. I'm just guessing. Frotterism is also known as mashing. And mashing has been reported exclusively among males. Now, mashing usually takes place in crowded places such as buses, elevators, or subway cars. The man usually incorporates images of his mashing within his masturbation fantasies. Mashing is related to torturism, which is the fondling of non-consenting strangers. Mashing can be so furtive and fleeting that the victim may not realize what has happened. I can tell you this. I remember being on a bus. And it was one of those rare moments where I was sitting and there was a woman standing next to me. And I offered the seat and she refused. But... And this was while I was probably um, about 14. And this is public transportation in Jamaica. Coming home from, from school. And music is playing in the bus. I'm sitting there. And this woman is constantly rubbing on my shoulder. And I'm like, you want to sit down because it would seem like people the bus is packed there are people behind her the bus is rocking as it is driving and moving so you know there's a lot of movement going on people coming off the bus people changing their positions and such so she doesn't have a choice but to move but the movements just seemed mm, to go with the music and it's kind of like she was comfortable with the arousal that she was getting from my shoulder so much so that i kind of moved a little bit and she moved a little bit too because i moved a little bit away and she moved a little bit away towards it towards my shoulder so yeah they say mostly men i say mostly men get caught (laughs) And when women do it, 
it seems, I don't know, like the victims would probably think that they're attractive or something when it has nothing to do with the object. Anyway, um, typically, <clears throat> excuse me, children under the age of 12 do not have fraturism due to lack of understanding and maturity. Most individuals who participate in fraturism are between the ages of 15 and 25. And tendencies typically increase the, the age at the age of 15 and decrease after the age of 25. Fraturism is associated with paraphilic fantasies, but it occurs most commonly in adolescence. This woman rubbing on my shoulder was no adolescent. She was a full-blown adult. Now, I don't know what was going on in her life, but that was my experience. Um, this disorder is not associated with traumatic experiences in either adolescent or adult life. Risk factors appear to be non-sexual, antisocial behavior, and sexual preoccupation or hypersexuality. Maybe it is that she was hypersexual. That's probably the case. The DSM estimates that 10 to 14% of men seen in clinical settings for paraphilias or hypersexuality have fraturistic disorder, indicating that the population prevalence is lower. However, fraturistic acts as opposed to fraturistic disorder may occur in up to 30% of men in the general population. Well, I guess the rubbing stimulation is more so e easily attained for men than it is for women. The majority of fraudulers are male and the majority of victims are female. Although female on male, female on female, and male on male fraudulers exist. This activity is often done in circumstances where the victim cannot easily respond. In a public place such as a crowded train or a concert, usually non-consensual non, non sexual contact is viewed as a criminal offense, a form of sexual assault, albeit often classified as a misdemeanor with minor legal penalties. Conviction may result in a sentence or psychiatric treatment. Then you have your fetishes. And most people would be familiar with your fetish, right? Um, from the word, the French word, fetiche, or the Portuguese, feticio, or the Latin, feticios, or artificial, or um, fa facir, to make these are your derivatives your 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 roots of the word fetish it's an is a, it's an object believed to have supernatural powers or in particular a man-made object that has a power to over others later sigmund freud appoint, appropriated the concept to describe a form of paraphilia where the the object of affection is an inanimate object or a specific part of a person i heard someone told me this story recently of someone loving their car so much that that was the object of their desire they they had sex with their car and i was like 
say what now? What? Did he put his penis in the muffler? And she said, well, you know, yeah, actually he did. I'm like, I'm done. That That's it. Done. <laughs> I've I've heard of people doing some things, but that one right there. Sexual fetishism or erotic fetishism is a sexual fixation on a non-living object or non-genital body part. The object of interest is called the fetish. The person who has a fetish for that object is called a fetishist. A sexual fetish may be regarded as a non-pathological aid to sexual excitement or as a fetishistic disorder. If it causes significant psychological or psychosocial distress for the person or has detrimental effects on important areas of their life, sexual arousal from a particular body part can be further classified as partialism. Now, this is a sexual interest with an exclusive focus on a specific part of the body other than the genitals. Partialism is categorized as a fetishistic disorder in the DSM-5 only if it causes significant psychosocial distress for the person or has detrimental effects on important areas of their life. In individuals who exhibit, exhibit partialism sometimes describe the anatomy of interest to them as having equal or greater erotic attraction for them as do the genitals. Partialism occurs in heterosexual, bisexual, and homosexual individuals. The foot is considered one of the most common partialisms. And I'm going to tell you why in a moment. In fact, I'm going to show you a diagram that also explains why. But some of the partialisms commonly found among people, people include podophilia, which is a foot fetish, oculophilia. Now, oculophilia, I had never heard that 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 existed. Never. It is an eye fetish. Now, how exactly that works, I don't know. But you have your oculophilia. Then you have your mascalagnia which is an armpit fetish. Mascalagnia. M-A-S-C-H-A-L-A-G-N-I-A. <laughs> and I found that one quite interesting because someone told me, um, I remember someone telling me, you know, I used to just kind of bury my face in my boyfriend's armpit. And I'm like, did you really? And we're like, yeah, don't judge me. I'm like, I've known you too long now to be judging you at this point. But yeah, mascalagnia. And then you have mesophilia, which is a breast fetish. I'll leave that one right there. You have your pigophilia or pygophilia, which is a buttocks fetish. Nasophilia, which, like the name describes, it's a nose fetish. Now, I think I have enough nose that if someone has a nose fetish, 
they'd be enamored by me. But hey, then you have your hair fetish, which is known as trichophilia. The next two are close and very interesting to me. Alvinophilia and alvinolagnia. Alvinophilia is your is a navel or belly button fetish. Alvinolagnia is a belly or stomach fetish. Then you have your chelrophilia, which is a hand fetish, and your crurophilia, which is a leg fetish. So, those are your body part fetishes. I don't know how many people have heard of those, but there you go. They exist. Now, while medical definitions restrict the term sexual fetishism to objects or body parts, fetish can, in common disclosure or discourse, sorry, also refer to sexual interest in specific activities. This broader usage or fetish covers parts or features of the body, including obesity and body modifications. Objects, situations, and activities such as BDSM, a variety of often erotic practices or role-playing involving bondage, discipline, dominance, and submission, sadomasochism, and other related interpersonal dynamics. Paraphilias, uh, paraphilias such as urophilia, necrophilia, uh, coprophilia have been described as fetishes. We're not going to really get into those tonight, but I, I do want to show you this diagram. And this is the sensory, sensory regions for the feet and genitals. You, you notice, well, I shouldn't say this is. This is a, it's a cross-section of a section of, 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 the, of the brain. And um, it shows where the sensory regions for the feet and the genitals are next to each other. And this is the cortical homeonucleus. The homunuclus. Okay, you got it. <laughs> um, but I found it interesting. Let me go ahead and bring my mouse over here and, and play with this section. So here we go. In this section of the brain right here, it shows where the genitals, that section of the brain that is stimulated by the genitals or that you have an interest in the genitals it right it right next to it is the area that there's an interest with the toes and right next to that is the interest with the foot in general so for those who wonder why it is that people would have these foot fetishes and thinking that it is so far-fetched and it, it, something must be wrong with their brains or something, it's because that 
sensory region of the brain lies right next to the sensory region that relates to the genitals. So it actually makes sense to me. Does it make sense to you? I don't know, but it does make sense to me. So in a review of 48 cases of clinical fetishism in 1983 fetishes, in, sorry, in 1983, fetishes included clothing being 58.3%, uh, rubber and rubber items 22.9%, footwear at 14.6%, body parts at 14.6%, leather at 10.4%, and soft materials or fabrics at 6.3%. A 2007 study counted members of internet discussion groups with the word fetish in their name. Of the groups about body parts or features, 47% belong to groups about feet. 9% about body fluids, which include urophilia, scatophilia, lactophilia, menophilia, mucophilia. All these philias I had no clue existed up until the point where I read this um, article, um, this study. 9% were about body size, 7% about hair, and 5% about muscles. Less popular groups focused on navels, legs, body hair, mouth, and nails, among other things. Fingernails. Of the groups about clothing, 33% belong to groups about clothes worn on the legs or buttocks, such as stockings or skirts. 32% about footwear, your shoe fetishes. 12% about underwear. And 9% about whole body wear, such as jackets. And less popular object groups focused on headwear, stethoscopes, wristwear, pacifiers, and diapers. Who knew that there was a diaper fetish? Who knew? Now, <clears throat> there's also your erotic asphyxiation. And this is the use of choking to increase the pleasure in sex. The fetish also includes a, an individualized part that involves choking oneself during the act of masturbation, which is known as autoerotic asphyxiation. This usually involves a person being connected and strangled by a homemade device that is tight enough to give them pleasure, but not tight enough to suffocate them to death. Now, clearly, this is dangerous. And it's due to the issue of hyperactive pleasure-seeking, which can result in strangulation when there's no one to help if the device gets too tight and... This, uh, and, and strangles the user. And there are these devices that are sold in stores that facilitate this. Now, there's also devotism, and this involves being attracted to body modifications on, an, on another person that are the result of amputation. 
This is only a sexual fetish when the person who has the fetish considers the amputated part of the body on another person the object of sexual interest. Under the DSM-5, fetishism is sexual arousal from non-living objects or specific non-genital body parts, excluding clothes used for cross-dressing. That falls under transvestic disorder. And sex toys that are designed for genital um, stimulation. That doesn't fall under the fetishes at all. Fetishism usually becomes evident during puberty and may develop prior to that. No single cause for fetishism has been conclusively established. Now, do we have time to look at... You see, I, I, I wanted to touch on the transvestism and, uh, um, and on BDSM, sexual masochism and sexual sadism disorders. But I may not have enough time to touch on those. But listen... You can go and check on them, and uh, you can you can search online for for this information. This particular information that I presented you tonight comes from lumenlearning.com. So um, you can go check it out and 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 look at some of the information that is there. What I found interesting is some of. Okay, let me show you this. Because used in BDSM is some of these contractions. <laughs> and um, of course, these are, are older contraptions used in BDSM. But... Um, you can see that this has been around for a while. I don't know what that thing with the, the spikes are or why anyone would be interested in that really. It, oh, it's, it, it's, it's a whole kind of a case where you stand in it. The top part is the mask. You see it? Look, right here, uh, as I circle it to the mouse. This part here is where your face goes, you, your body is in this section. I don't know what these spikes are supposed to be doing. But then again, it's BDSM. So, mm, I'll, I'll just leave that part right there. Um, <laughs> and that pretty much covers... Or, or paraphilias for tonight. Um, will I come back and, and, and look at the BDSM information and the transvestism information? I may or may not incorporate it in something else in the future. But 
if you want to, to, to address it, if you want me to address it, you can hit me up. Drop me a line. Shoot me a message. 773-789-STEW. 773-789-7839. Go to kevinstew.com. All my contact information is there. You can contact me through the website. Um, tell me if you want me to go some more into this. Let me know. Do you want me to look at the transvestic disorder? Um, do you want me to look at BDSM also, as we have looked at the other paraphilias? Let me know. Um, reading it was really interesting, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Looking through this information, I found it really interesting. And, I, and as, as a result, I am sharing it with you. Again, initially it started out as looking at just pedophilia and why people do it, what happens to those who have experienced it, things like that. But I decided to go a little bit broader and look at paraphilias on a whole. And as that is one paraphilia out of the eight known or eight main ones. But this is that time now where we get into... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought I was on screen. I'm just realizing that I'm not. Um, yeah. This is the time now that we get into musical therapy. And I do want to say thank you to McNeil Trucking for sponsoring this segment of the broadcast. With McNeil Trucking, you're in good hands. Give them a call today. 954-406-9740 they are they are licensed and insured movers and they can help you out in your situation when you are looking to relocate so give them a call 954-406-9740 tell them you heard about them on night shift with dj kevin stew they are mcneil trucking thank you mcneil trucking now we get into musical therapy and we kick it off with the sound of Kavan this track is called You Make Me Right You are the melody to my song Son of Lee Kelly. This one is called Magic. And as I perform my magic act and disappear from here tonight, I want to thank you for your support. I'll be back for the night shift to DJ Kevin Stew on Monday, Community and Finance Night. But before that, I'll be here broadcasting on Saturday, on the Saturday studio on reggaeglobalradio.com, 8 p.m. Eastern. But as we part company for tonight, I do want to encourage you to look out for members of your community. And remember, your community is not just the development that you live in, but it spreads far and wide. So those that you pass on the bus, on the plane, the boat or the train, whether you walk, ride or drive, these are members of your community. Do something good for somebody today because you never know who's going to do something good for you tomorrow. My name is DJ Kevin Stewart. This is how I like to do it to you, for you, and with you every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday right here on the Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew on kevinstew.com and affiliates. 
I do want to also remind you as we part company to be good but if you can't be good don't worry about it just be good at it take care of yourselves until we connect again do remember to support the podcast the night shift to DJ Kevin Stew and the YouTube channel of the same name and also to give your support to the website kevinstew.com that is where all the magic happens. Do pray for family and friends over there in Hawaii. They had a snowstorm last week and uh, now they're having torrential rains and flooding this week. Yeah, pray for people, the people in Hawaii. Good morning, good afternoon, good day to you, wherever you are in the world from right here in South Florida. I bid you a good night. You take care of yourselves, okay? Ooh, I can do some magic. Ooh, this is DJ Kevin Stew inviting you to bubble up and simmer down with me in the Saturday Stew right here on Reggae Global Radio. Get ready for the special segment called The Secret Ingredient, where you may hear from your favorite artist or producer. Saturday Stew happens every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time exclusively on ReggaeGlobalRadio.com, where we get high on reggae. Greetings and salutations, one and all. You're invited to tune in to the Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew. It airs on Mondays with Community and Finance, Tuesdays with Healthy Love, and Wednesdays with Real Talk from 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern Time. Come spend some time interacting in the stew pot where we keep things bubbling and wind down in musical therapy. The Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew is on kevinstew.com where you're encouraged to have acceptance through enlightenment. <laughs>